Welcome to At the Crossroads Church weekly podcast. Our hope is that you will grow in your walk with God and be blessed and encouraged in your daily lives as you listen. You can visit us at our website at atthecrossroads.ca. All right, so it's time for the word. We're going to get into the scripture. How many are excited to hear the word this morning? Amen. Why don't we just stand and pray and then we'll, we'll dive right in this morning. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you, God, that it's uh, transforming, it's life-changing. God, we ask that you would speak to our heart and change our lives today. May we see things more clearly today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So I, I brought a, a pair of binoculars with me this morning. As you know, a few weeks ago, I started a series called Refocused, a series called Refocused. And so I want to talk about focus. Just realized the, the the lens cap is missing, and I've got a bunch of grease all over my fingers. But um, it's it's not a good set of binoculars. But the point I wanted to make with uh, with the binoculars, even a couple weeks ago, when we look through binoculars, how many know there's a little adjuster on top, and we can adjust the focus. Sometimes we're looking at stuff, but it's out of focus. And God wants us to always be adjusting the focus, right? Adjusting the focus because God has a, a plan for us. He wants us to look ahead and see the vision He has for us, and He wants us to focus. We need to adjust. We have to adjust the dial. How many know we have to adjust the dial sometime? And so last week we talked about, or two weeks ago, because last week everyone was reined in apparently. So, uh, so, so a couple weeks ago we talked about refocusing on vision and how God wants us to refocus. We talked about separating uh, the traditions of men from the truth of the word of God. How many know that, you know, there's, there's truth, which is the scripture, but then there's also, there's methods that we, we adopt. There's man-made traditions, and they're not all bad, but there's sometimes the traditions of men will make the, power, the word of God no, not effective. How many know what I'm talking about? Because we get caught up in our systems and structures, and we forget about what God is saying and his message to us, right? And so we talked about the traditions of men, uh, last week. And so today I want to talk about refocusing on mission. Okay, so we're going to bring up our next slide here. Okay, so we want to refocus on mission uh, or vision. And um, we're going to talk about refocused vision. And attached to vision is always mission and values. So when we have a vision, there are values and there's a mission in order to accomplish the vision. How many hear what I'm saying? Okay, if we have a vision, and a vision is really one thing, a vision is the goal of what would, we would like to see accomplished, we wanna, and we, what do we want to do? We want to reach people, we want to make disciples, and we want to plant life-giving churches. We want to we expand. How many know we don't want to stay where we're at? And so we want to have vision, and we want to have a mission, and we want to have a vision statement. So we look at this here. How many know there's Kairos moments? A Kairos moment is a moment that is set by God, and you don't want to miss it. Sometimes we miss, we miss the moment, and, and there's something we need to hear, but we just miss it because we're busy. Last week, I was sitting in the car with Sarah. She's nine years old. She jumped in the back seat. It's pouring rain out. So I threw my laptop in the back seat. I put her in the car. She put her belt on. I was sitting in the car, and I realized I forgot something in the house. So Sarah says, Daddy... Can I tell you something? And I, I said, no, not right now. I got to go. I got to go. I'm busy. I got to run back in the house. She goes, no, Daddy, please let me tell you something. I said, it can wait. Please, Daddy. I said, no, it has to wait. So I run into the house, and I do my running around, get the stuff I forgot, came back in, sat down in the car, and said, honey, what did you want to say? She said, 
uh, Daddy, the window's open in the back and your laptop is soaked. <laughs> I was like, okay, I missed the moment now, right? Let's dry it off. But how many know we can miss the moment because we're too busy sometimes to say, God, what are you saying to me in the moment? All right? And so we have to understand what, uh, let's go to the next slide because I don't know what I gave you there. Okay, so what is vision? It's the ability to think about or plan the future with imagination or wisdom. So we have to have vision for life. Without a vision, the people perish, right? We give up. There's nothing for us to do. So we have to be able to think about the plans and have an imagination of where God wants to bring us. Go to the next slide. Okay, the mission is what we do to accomplish the vision. So we have a mission here at the church, which is beside there. We see the vision. We want to reach people in our community for God, make disciples, plant life-giving churches. And then we want to do it by living and loving like Jesus. So we have to look at what Jesus does and model our lives after that. Let's go to the next slide. Okay. Our values, uh, we use the word riches, right? And that's an acronym for our values. And so what's really important to us as a church is we realize Jesus was relational. How many know Jesus met with people in small groups and he poured his life out into these 12 men, right? There was that small connection, relational discipleship. And we believe it's important as a church that we do the same. We also believe in innovation and creativity. We've got to innovate. We need to be creative. We have to do whatever it takes. As Paul says, I'll become all things to all men in order to reach some, right? And so we've got to be willing to change our methods and our structures and how we do things to reach people. A lot of churches that aren't growing are not growing because they're not willing to innovate, right? So we need to be willing to innovate. We believe in character and honor as uh, something that's really important. Um, we have to have character. We've got to walk in integrity. We have to honor other believers. We have to honor other people. And then the next one is Holy Spirit empowered. We believe that we have to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. How many know that the Holy Spirit was given as a gift unto us so that we can be empowered to be witnesses, right? So we need the Holy Spirit's power. And then we want to have a spirit of excellence. We want to give God our best. We don't want to give him second best. We want to give him our best in everything we do. And then S is that we believe in being servant leadership. We believe that even as pastors, we're here to serve the body of Christ. We're not here to lord over people, but to serve one another. And so what Jesus did was Jesus carried towels. If you get caught up with titles, you won't carry towels. And so we want to serve. We want to love. We want to care for people. And that's our heart here at the church. Next slide. The mission of Jesus was, in Luke chapter 4, verse 18 and 19, it says here, The Spirit of the Lord was upon me to bring good news to the poor, to proclaim the captives will be released, that the blind will see that the oppressed will be set free and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. All right. And so his mission was to bring the good news, to release the captives, to, to set the oppressed free because the time of the Lord's favor had come. Um, but we, we humans like to mess things up sometimes, don't we? We just kind of get our fingers in it. We mess it up and we become a little bit religious in our structures and our systems. And what happened here, if we're not careful, is... We begin to do things that will actually, Mark chapter 7, verse 13 says this, and so you cancel the word of God in order to hand down your own traditions, and this is only one example among many others that Jesus shares. 
All right? And I'm just going to do a little quick summary before I jump into um, where I want to share. So we talked about this a few weeks ago. In the, in the early church, the apostles, they began to preach. People began to come to him, come to the Lord. And they, they shared the word, and people were growing, and they were going out, and, and, and the church was multiplying. But around the third century, Constantine became a Christian, a believer. And he said, I want to institutionalize the church. I want to make it an institution. So there was the whole system of the Catholic Church where a pope came into being. There was the priest, the mass, service on Sundays from Saturdays to Sundays because Sunday was actually a holy day. And Constantine was a high priest for the Roman sun god, which he continued through even as a Christian. He added Jesus. Salvation became about indulgences and works, right? You had to go see a priest to get your sins forgiven. There was all of these things that pulled people away from focusing on the message how many see that and i share this not to criticize but i want to show you what has happened here is that people began to see that there's more to this we're getting caught up in all of this religious man-made systems and structure and a man by the name of martin luther on october 31st 1517 nailed a 95 thesis he was actually a uh, he was part of the Catholic Church, and he was a monk, and he was studying the Bible, and he realized that we're justi justified by faith alone. We don't need to do all of these works. And so we're justified by faith. And that, so what happened was the Lutheran Church was born in 1517, and there was a separation. What happened was there was a focus. He began to focus a little more closely on the Scripture. He said, hold on, I don't have to go to a priest the Bible says that Jesus is my high priest. I can go directly to him. And so there was a refocusing. And then we see in 1609, there was a group called the Anabaptists. We know them now as the Baptist Church. They focused a little more clearly in the scripture. And they said, hey, you know, the Lutheran Church came away from the Catholic Church, but they're still doing infant baptism. And in the Bible, when we focus, we can see that we're supposed to be water baptized. So a new movement was born in 1609 the Baptist Church. The next stage here was sanctification by faith. And so that was uh, Charles and John Wesley. And they just said, you know, the same, you know, Spirit of God that, you know, the same faith that gets us saved is the same faith that sanctifies us. So they started teaching about holiness and living a godly life. And, and so the Methodists and the Wesleyan churches were birthed in 1793. And then after that, um, there was a group of ministers, uh, two that made it famous was Charles Finney and D.L. Moody, who began to preach on the baptism of the Holy Spirit and power. And what happened was there was a move of God that happened and actually went back into all the, the, these other movements and put the fire of God back in there. And then the next movement was the gifts of the Holy Spirit in 1904 to 1906 with the Azusa Street and the Welsh Revival. And how many see that it, it, it was people just focusing a little more clearly, what does the Bible really say, right? Let's refocus. What is God really trying to say to us? And then the last one, and there's many more in between, is the authority of the believer, which was a movement of understanding who we are in Christ so we can have authority and we can do the works of Jesus. And that was the next movement. So what is the next thing God wants us to refocus on? What is important to God? And I believe this is one of those 
moments like where my daughter was saying, Daddy, I got to tell you something. And I was too busy to listen. We really need to listen to this because I believe this is really important to God. There's two things, and, and, and I want to go back to it, is the teaching foundational doctrines more clearly. In Hebrews chapter 6, verse 1 to 4, it says, Therefore, leaving the discussions of elementary principles. How many have been to elementary school? Okay. Now, when you're in elementary school, if, you, if someone says, I want you to do some algebra, you're going to sit there and go, like, that doesn't make any sense to me, right? When you're in elementary school, you're learning your ABCs. You're in the beginning. You're in the foundational stages of education. And it says, leaving the discussions of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection, not laying it again. But I believe we're in a stage right now where God wants us to go back and strengthen the foundation. Does that make sense? And here's what he says. Let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundations of repentance from dead works, faith towards God, and the doctrines of baptism. So I just want to hit those three for a moment. There has to be repentance from dead works. Dead works meaning that I can do it in my own strength. I'm going to be a good person. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to please God with my life. You have to come back to a place where it's like you recognize that everything you do is, has to be a living work. We're going to talk about what that is. Secondly, faith towards God and the doctrine of baptisms. Doctrine of baptisms. Now, this was my message from last week, and because of the weather, i got to skip it and go to the next message. We'll get into this later. But God wants us to, to realize what's important. So I want to show you here what a dead work is. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Let's go there. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. It says, Though I speak with the tongue of men and of angels, but I don't have love, I have become a sounding brass and a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have faith so that I could move mountains, but I don't have love, I'm nothing. And though I bestow my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burnt, okay, but I don't have love, it profits me nothing. And now abides faith, hope, love. But the greatest of these is, is, right? I want to say this because I believe this. Okay, the love in the in, in the King James version they use the word charity, which was an act is an action word. We want to go and show forth love. Okay, and um, Jesus was talking to a man who had a lot of systems and structures, and he he was talking to him here in Luke chapter ten, verse twenty five, and I'm going to read the story. It's the story of the Good Samaritan. Okay, it says one day. An expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question. Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Okay, he wants to inherit eternal life. Look what Jesus says to him. Jesus replied, what does the law of Moses say and how do you read it? See, so many people read the Bible, but you have to read them with the right lenses. How do you read it? How do you interpret it? And look what the man said. You must love the Lord your God with some of your heart, all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Now, now here's the thing, all right? And Jesus said, okay, 
Jesus says to him, you're right. Do this, and you'll have eternal life. But here's the thing, okay? Um, it's, it's impossible, I don't know about you, but for me, impossible to attain unconditional love within myself. I, I cannot love God with everything that is in me within myself. I, I need God's help to do that. How many know it's only God who has unconditional love? And look what he does here. Okay, we can only begin to live this way when God moves into our lives, right? And, and, and look at this, okay, and here's the miracle. Romans chapter 5, verse 5 to 8, here's the miracle that happens. And this hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us. Why? Because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill, say to fill, our hearts with his love, Okay. So the Holy Spirit comes and he fills us with his love. And then what are we supposed to do? Give it away. Jesus said to the disciples, freely you have received, freely give. And so anything that's not birthed out of the love of God and the compassion of God is a dead work. And when you get on judgment day, all those works that are not motivated by the love and compassion of God moving through you, anything else, it'll be burnt away like rubble, and you yourself will be saved because you're a child of God. You'll be saved into eternity and go, hey, where's all my rewards? And I believe God wants us to get us back to a place where everything we do is motivated out of love. Does that make sense, anybody? And so here's what the Bible says. And I believe this, that God, godly Christians, godly Christians will direct with conviction and compassion towards a relationship. We will direct people with conviction and compassion towards relationship with God and with one another. Say it's all about relationship. The whole Bible is about how God is trying to restore us back into relationship with him, but we've got this sin in the, in the way. And then the whole New Testament, they're telling us this is how you need to love one another. This is how you have to fellowship with your brothers. This is how you're supposed to love the lost. It's all about entering back into relationship. And so, love in order to live eternally. You want to live eternally, he said, Jesus, you need to love, which can only happen by God, Spirit. And so the man wanted to justify his action in verse 29. He said to Jesus, who's my neighbor? Like, who am I supposed to love? And Jesus replied with this story. He said, a Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him okay, of his clothes, and they beat him up, and they left him half dead beside the road. And by chance, Jesus says, a priest comes along, and when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed him by. And then a temple assistant walked over and looked at him lying there, but he also passed by on the other side. Now, you need to understand that to this religious man who knew the word, the priest and the temple assistant, in his mind, were like who the pope is to a devout Catholic, like this is a holy man. And Jesus is just saying, who you think is righteous just walked by someone who's suffering. And he's sitting there going, okay, where are you going with this? And look what Jesus says. And then he says, a despised, say despised, Samaritan. 
And if you guys were at Connect Group, we talked about the Samaritan at the well and how the Jews despised the Samaritans and the Samaritans despised the Jews. They were not friends. And Jesus said, I'm going to hang out with the people you despise. Like Jesus has compassion. All right. And so he says, a despised Samaritan came along. And when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil, with wine, and bandaged them. And then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn, where he took care of him. The next day, he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, Take care of this man. If his bills run high, higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. Okay? Now, Jesus says, Out of these three, who would you say? was a neighbor to the, the man who was attacked. And he said, the one who showed mercy. And you see how Jesus just came and shifted his paradigm, shifted the way he thought. And I believe God wants to do that in the church, not just this church, but I believe we're living in a time where God wants to come and shift the way we view ourselves as the church so that we're not worried about being you know, the high and mighty spiritual people but that we're focused on showing compassion and mercy to those who need it. The Bible says the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy, and Jesus wanted to show mercy to people who'd been crushed by him. You know, one last scripture I want to talk to you about on Judgment Day, Matthew chapter 25, verse 34 and 36. Um, Jesus, I'm just going to summarize it because it's a long passage. Well, I'm going to read it, actually. This is Judgment Day. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed of my father. Inherit the kingdom that's prepared for you from the creation of the world. For I, I was hungry, and you fed me. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger. You invited me into your house. Okay? I was naked. You gave me clothing. I was sick, and you cared for me. Okay? I was in prison and you visited me. Then these righteous ones will say, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink or a stranger and show you hospitality or naked and give you clothing? And, and when did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will say, I tell you the truth. When you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren and sisters, you were doing it to me. And I just find it really amazing because at the judgment seat, Jesus isn't saying, well, your doctrine was just was off a little bit and you were preaching a little bit too much about this or you were, you know, it, 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 you, you know, you were doing this wrong or you're doing that. No, it wasn't about what they were believing or how much they thought they knew. It was the heart that was coming through them for their communities, that they were caring for people. How many know that's important? And so Jesus shifts this man's world in a powerful way. And then the other thing that happens is then he begins and he looks at the goats on his left and he says, because you didn't feed, because you didn't care, because you didn't, you know, take care of me by taking care of others, go into outer darkness. There's, you're not part of... So how important is this word that we become people who are people of compassion? Okay, we're going to go back to our PowerPoint, Hannah, for a minute. And I believe this is a season we need to believe, we have to understand that church, okay, 
the church building is not the church. Like when we come together, and I know we know that, but we need to get it in our hearts. We come together here to celebrate, okay? But we, the people, we are the church. We are the temples made without hands, right? Next point here. We are to be a light on a hill for all to see. It doesn't say, Jesus didn't say in the scripture, you know, your local church needs to be a light on a hill. No, it says you. He's, he's speaking to individuals. He says, you be a light. You be a light on a hill that other, other people can see the good works of God in you, right? So God wants us to let our light shine. God wants us to be a, a light, a city on a hill, a light on a hill. Next point. So we meet to worship. We meet to receive training for ministry. We come together as a celebration service, for coaching, for training. But we are the church. We have to, we have to understand that we're going to reach people. We're going to bring change in our community. Amen? Let's go to the next slide. And this is the next one here. Um, your pulpit is your table. It is something that just kind of God dropped in my spirit and I was doing some studying. That we have to get to a place as believers where we don't think of this as the place, and it is in a sense, for training to come. But you need to begin to see your table in your living room as a place to invite unsaved people, to invite people who are far from God, to invite people who are hurting, um, to just love on them and to take care of them and to pray for them, right? And I believe in 2020, God wants us to begin to be willing to, if it's not a, um, there's something about breaking bread, how many know when you have a meal with somebody, you have good conversation, the guards come down and you talk, right? And I believe in 2020, God wants us to, like, make it a point, number one, to pray for three people. Each and every one of us to be praying for three people and say, God, give me three people at least to pray for and start praying for them. And then invite them, if not to your table, to Timmy's, somewhere where you can sit and have a coffee or a donut and just say, hey, I want to be your friend and just love people where they're at. And in relationship, guess what's going to happen? They're going to come to know God in time. You're not going to invite them to church because you are the church, right? You can if you want. you got to feel where they're at. But you have to say, I'm the church, and my, my table, this is the place of ministry where I'm going to have people, and some of us have done that, and it's awesome things. How many would say that around a table at a meal, the conversations are pretty real? Okay? And things go deep. There's something about eating together. And I really believe God wants us to, to begin to pray for three people, invite them to your table, and build a relational bridge strong enough to carry the weight of truth. If we build a relationship with people, and they know that we have compassion and care for them, they're going to say, tell me about your faith. You won't have to push it. It'll be just, a, tell me about it. And so this is one of the things I really felt God put on my heart. I heard of another church that had done this, and I wasn't trying to copy it, but I just, it just sunk into my spirit. Because the church that wasn't growing, that was kind of stuck, um, the pastor said, don't, don't invite people to church. Just invite them to your home build relationship, love on people, and God will open doors to share your faith. And eight months later, they, had, they didn't have any growth in their church, numerically. But eight months later, they did a, I think it was an Easter service. 
and they everyone invited people they were the three people they were meeting with the church was packed they they had 60% more people it was like because we need to be willing to build a relational bridge with people to just show compassion no strings attached this is what Jesus looks like this is how Jesus cares why do you care so much cuz Jesus is Lord, and he's changed my life. Can I tell you about it? How many see it has to be that relationship with God? And so there's, there's two types of churches. There's outreach churches, um, and it's just like we just got to do lots of evangelism. And then the second one is there's Bible teaching, which is just let's go deeper, deeper, deeper with head knowledge and with Bible teaching. But how many know that we need to be both? God wants us to be, he wants us to be going deeper, but he also wants us to have a shallow end in our pool so people can come in and learn to swim. Sometimes people come in never hearing anything about God, and it's like they come into a pool, and it's like there's only a deep end. We throw them in, they're like, ah, I'm drowning, because they don't know how to swim. They've never swam before. But if we have a shallow end where we come together on a Sunday morning and we celebrate Jesus, we sing great music, we share the gospel message, and then we go deeper in some of our other meetings, and we have training in some of our other meetings. How many know both are going to grow together? Amen? And so we need to, in 2020 now, we're going we're gonna to need many front doors to the church. Many front doors. I'm going to give you a list of them. Okay, let's go to the list there, Hannah. So we need to uh, dream about community service. What can we do in our community to say, Here, here's the love of Jesus? How can we love on our community? How can we serve people? We need to do alpha courses. Some of you are going to start alpha courses in your home and invite your neighbors over. We're going to have uh, connection, uh, connect groups are going to grow. We're going to begin to put a focus on that. We're going to do support groups for our community. We want to do stuff, have open doors so people can come in and experience God. Next one is we want to discuss... Uh, we're going to discuss and design all this by our, our dream team. You say, what's a dream team? Well, I'm glad you asked because I'm going to explain that to you. Okay, so here's, here's what a dream team is. So what we're starting in February, which is in just a couple weeks, is uh, we'll go to the next slide, is we're starting growth tracks. So a growth track is similar to partnership, but it's, it's, uh, it's different because the whole focus isn't just what we believe, but it's what we're going to do, this new vision of becoming like uh, compassion-oriented, compassion-driven. We don't want to be a church that does missions. We want to, or does outreach. We want to be an outreach backed by the church. We want, we want to just be reaching our community. We want to do things differently, but there has to be training. So what we're going to do is in a month, there's four weeks usually. So the first Sunday of every month, we're going to have Church 101, and that is something that's going to happen during the second service. So during the second service upstairs, we're going to have this, these tracks go on. So the first one, let's go to the next slide, Hannah, is um, the Next Steps 101. So the goal of this is who are the leaders and why was the church planted? Like people want to know these things, right? Where is this church going? What is the vision? How are you planning to get there? Okay, structures and strategies. Why do, uh, what do you believe and can we belong? And this has to do with our beliefs and our culture. So that we're just going to give a real uh, introduction of people who want to come and hear uh, what our church is about. The next, the next step 
the next week. We'll go to the next one, Hannah. Is essentials. Okay? The goal is to define that discipleship is a lifelong process. We're going to talk about discipleship so we understand what it is. We're going to create a culture of self-feeders. We're going to teach you the importance of reading the Bible every day, praying every day, uh, being choosing every day to, I'm going to be part of a connect group. I'm going to be part of this. I'm going to, you have to be a self-feeder if you want to grow. You can't depend on the pastor. You have to self-feed. Number three, okay, the third week, the goal is learning to understand who you were meant, made to be in order to know what you were made to do. So we really want to talk about that. And we're going to actually do a whole bunch of training on the gifts within the body of Christ. And then we're going to do, we have some test designs so you can do a gift test to find out what your spiritual gifts are. Because we want you to serve in the area that you're already passionate about. If, you, if you're passionate about kids, we want you in the kids. If you're passionate about music, we want you on the stage doing music. If you're passionate about greeting people, we'll put you in the place that you're passionate about. Does that make sense? And the next one is, number four, the goal is to train you in your area of ministry and connect you relationally with the leaders of that ministry that you're passionate in serving. And so that's kind of the, the next step profile or course that we're going to do. Does that make sense? Because we're not into just building. We don't want to just build programs. We want to build people. And so we want to have structures in place that we can, we can train, we can disciple, to be a, a people who are more focused on what can we give than what can we can receive. And when we're willing to give, guess what? We, we get filled up. We, get, we receive in our giving. Okay? And so just as I'm about to close, I want to say this. Um, there are pathways of behavior and the way we do things um, that, that just become um, easy for us. And I don't know, like, you know, if you have a lot of snow and uh, you constantly walk to the shed, you create a path, right? How many know it's easy? When you come out, you're automatically going to take the path to the shed, right? It's the easy way. But the chances of you saying, no, I'm just going to make a new path and start doing this. How many know it's a lot of work? It's uncomfortable. It's different, right? It's easier to take the path, right? But if we keep doing the same things, over and over again, expecting different results. It's called insanity. So we have to force ourselves to take the steps off the path and create a new path. That's what leaders do. And everyone in this room is a leader. That's what a visionary does, right? We're going to say, we're going to take a new path. And it's going to be uncomfortable. I challenge you, next 30 days, get out of bed on the other side of the bed. It feels weird. You ever done that? You're like, in fact, no. You know, since we were married, my wife has one side of the bed and I have one side of the bed. It doesn't matter where we live, what house we have, what bed we have. We always sleep on the left and the right. And if I switch that up, I just can't sleep. I'm like, this is weird, you know, get on your side, you know. It's not comfortable. How many hear what I'm saying? And when we're doing something new, it's uncomfortable a little bit. But as we start to tread, as we start to make a path, it becomes the new thing that bears fruit. Amen? So that's what we're, that's what I'm passionate about. I'm excited about new pathways. I'm excited about doing something different to say we're going to break the mold of what church has always been in our community. And we want the community to say, we know that church. They live like Jesus and they share his love. Because that's what people are looking for. Do they look like Jesus? Do they share his love? 
They don't care about what we believe and all our, you know, that stuff's very, very important. But they want to see love. They will know us because of our, our love. Amen? And so that's kind of where we're heading there in the next little while. And I'm sorry I just dump loaded a, two weeks of sermon on you. But I really feel that we're going to do that. So starting in, in February, first Sunday, we're going to have our first, first growth track. Well, Father, we thank you, Lord, for this day. We thank you for your word. We thank you, Father, that uh, this word will sink deep in our hearts, that we would be those who would show compassion. Uh, help us to be those people that live and give away the love of God that we've received from you. And all God's people said, amen, amen. Thank you for listening. We hope that you enjoyed our message. If you are in the Quinty West area, we would love to have you visit us on Sunday morning at 24 Dundas Street West, Trenton, Ontario. Check out our service times on our website at atthecrossroads.ca.